This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time, always gonna be the best. Come on! Well, all right. uh, it's Pat MJT, Instagram, Twitter, and also on Facebook. We're there quite a bit. I mean, we're there around. We're around. We're around. Or you can text us, 402-403-9478. All that good stuff. Oh, and I wanted to say, um, I posted yesterday, and I put it on uh, the Pat and JT pages as well, um, the tribute video for Ruby Dooby Doo, uh, which was the Doberman that um, has the million followers plus across, uh, well, on Facebook, over a million followers, Instagram, TikTok, um, and she had passed away about a week ago, uh, basically congestive heart failure for dogs is what it was. And they knew that she had this and she started acting funny. And, and the, the whole thing, that video, there's a tribute video. And the owner, as we talked about before, Charles, he's, the, he's a photographer. And the tribute video ends with a picture. And it's one of his, one of my favorite pictures. He's got a thousand of them with him and her that he had taken where they're both like forehead to forehead. So her head's down, their forehead to forehead, and he's holding her like on her neck and on her back. And you can see her face and the rest of her body. And then her body is, is going away into smoke because she, she, she was gone. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's posted amazing. the video. I, saw that, I did see that picture. The picture is And if you get a chance beautiful. to watch the video, the last photo in that video is that picture and it has the rest in peace, Ruby Doo. And um, his page commented on it. And it got a whole bunch of likes, which and loves because so many people follow oh, her. Because cool. I, I didn't realize, I think more people probably do follow hers. And, we, and a, a few people were like, oh my God, I didn't know you followed her. And I'm like, I can't imagine not. You yeah. know, I mean, everybody I think probably has seen her uh, come through on their either their reels or something. If you have any dogs showing up in your Facebook yeah. page or Instagram or anything that you're on. But anyway, I was just like, I was over blown. I was just blown away. Um, but a lot of people, follow that as well and we're following her and so it's just so sad yeah that is sad and i felt so bad for him but um they handled it so well and they brought a lot of information forward and a lot of people didn't even know that that was a thing and now a lot of people have learned some things so it was just kind of nice to see that um so there so see technology can do wonderful things it it can it can do fantastic (laughs) things um and we've talked about before my conspiracy (laughs) theories and other Mm -hmm. stuff uh (laughs) about the other things that can that uh, can happen with technology um so today we have a guest that's going to be on with this coming up here in just a minute and um he is actually and this is probably the first time well i know it is the first time we've ever had somebody on our podcast who we can say is an ethics professor that is very true. We've uh, never had that. I don't know if he'll come. I don't know if he'll stay once he comes in here. Is or there a reason why he's here? Yeah. Other than- <laughs> he's coming to help <laughs> us. He works business and ethics professor at Creighton University. And he also works with um, online safety, uh, digital safety, and, and just has, has dove into the ethics of it and also the, the pitfalls of it and to help maybe us understand a little bit better of what we don't understand. It's going to be tough to convince me not to shop on IG, though. <laughs> Wait till you tough. hear what he has to say. I think you're going to enjoy it. I got to see him speak, and, and I was just 
fascinated by what he was talking about. And, and I'm like, okay, we need to talk a little bit more. So that's coming up here in just a second. First, though, we do want to take a minute and say thank you to Centris Federal Credit Union for being our partner this year. Yeah. I mean, talking about being uh, not just your personal information, but being safe with your money, uh, no safer place than Centris, especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to grow that savings account for whatever reason, um, put it someplace safe uh, with experts that can help you grow your money. Mm-hmm. That are right here. Mm-hmm. That, that literally in the 402. Have, have a 402 phone number. Literally are in the 402. It is 402 <laughs> It literally is a 402. And when you get on their website... Which is? Uh, CentrusFCU.org. I have you do it because for some reason I always mess it up. Um, but be sure and check out. They still have the interest rate is still there till the 31st of August. But don't delay if you're thinking about buying or refinancing. It is an amazing rate. All the details are on their website. So like we promised, we've got Tom Freeman with us. And Tom, I, I want to introduce you pro- appropriately, but I know there are just so many different facets to what you do. And I know working, you're with Creighton University, you're an attorney, you've got all these other things that you do. How would you best describe yourself to somebody new? You know, I, th- I think that kind of sums it up. Um, I always like to introduce myself first by saying I'm a, I'm a husband and a father. Um, it seems like a lot of people kind of start with, you know, where they work and what they do. So uh, married, two kids, went to law school, became a lawyer, started teaching kind of part-time, realized I liked teaching more than lawyering. Mm-hmm. So kind of was able to flip those, which is really nice because then I'm in the classroom most of my day or most of my week and then lawyering a little bit on the side so I can still help people that way. And then was an assistant attorney general in the state of Nebraska for about two years. Got really interested in kind of the data science ethics part of what they should have been doing more of and they're doing more of now. Mm-hmm. So let's go after the Googles, let's go after the Apples, let's go after the Microsofts and make sure, you know, privacy is protected, data is protected, we're doing the right things. Um, it seems like people are just kind of exposed out there and then everybody's afraid to go after, you know, the Googles of the world. They're just, they're too big, they're too wealthy, they have too many attorneys who are paid too well and know too much. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of intimidating to take them on. It is. It, I mean, there's, if you have something, it's just like, well, what... <laughs> What's the point? Just just deal with it. Because, you know, you can't fight. You know, it's like... They'll like keep it, you in court forever and right? bankrupt your company or bankrupt your family. And it's right. so like, well, why? Yeah, why? What? It's not worth it. Yeah. And we were talking, you have your children that you were talking about, and they're young children. Um, Pat has two kids, and his kids, are, his youngest is going to be a senior this year. Mm-hmm. When did she yeah. start school? Uh, last week. She's, she's in now, so it's official. Yep. One hour, one class a day. Yeah, literally last night, she's like... Oh my god, I have one class. I don't have to work tomorrow. What am I going to do? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know. Enjoy yeah. it while you can. Read. Right? Yeah, yeah, enjoy it while you yeah, can. Yeah, enjoy it while you can. Exactly. <laughs> I should have said that. That's funny. <laughs> Please, exactly. soak it up. It's not going to last because adulting is getting here quickly. <laughs> oh my god, it's true. <laughs> it's wildly overrated. Uh, you are so right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had the opportunity to hear you speak, and and you were talking about just online security, and and just for for personal, just for the people, it's like you not just businesses, but just people on a day-to-day basis, um, we don't even realize how under attack <laughs> we are. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I think that you really, you know, for a lot of it's like, well, what do they want from me? I mean, what do I have that's a value? And you were explaining so many of the things that are being used without our knowledge. Right. Right. So I'm going to let you kind of dive in because I know you've kind of got your, your <clears throat> like what you did, the, the presentation that you did for the other day for us. Um, and we'll kind of interrupt you as we go along um, because I think it's important for people to understand how advanced, I mean, seriously advanced technology is and what they're actually doing. Well, it really starts with data collection. 
So, you know, I think you and I talked after the meeting about how if you don't know what the product is, then you're the product. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of truth to that. So data about you is being collected all the time. Your cell phone is tracking you. Cameras are following you and watching you. Your purchases are being tracked. Your online activities are being monitored. All of that information is being collected and then kind of collated. And then you have all of this data about all of these people that then can be leveraged to make determinations about these people. What political candidates are they likely to like? What types of products or services are they going to be interested in? How do we sort of manipulate or tweak their behaviors to get them to do things that we like? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, that's just the little things. And, and Pat, uh, when they first started doing it, you'd notice that you'd say something in your car about a certain product, and next thing you know, you have ads on your phone mm -hmm. that are for that product. They claim they're not listening, but I don't believe yeah. them. I don't believe but, them either. And, and, I th and it's, it's a catch-22 with me, because I think I like, like, I've bought, pur purchased many things off of an Amazon ad that I see on Instagram. So I, I don't mind that. And occasionally I'll see one. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. That's awesome. And I'll go check it out. So I know they're just grabbing more info from me, but I don't mind necessarily being marketed to. Exactly I don't want people, want. I don't want people sitting on my edge of my bed, you know, like and like writing stuff down, but I don't mind getting marketed yeah. to. It's the right stuff. See, I see the helpful ad pop up and I think to myself, oh, that's cool. I was just thinking about that. Or we were just talking about that. I'm like, Hey, Mark Zuckerberg, get the hell out of my head. <laughs> yeah, right. It's true. And I think that's where. But what they're counting on is yeah. that we're just going to be like, well, that makes it so much easier. Well, and that's the trick. It makes life easier. It makes it convenient. So you can post the cat pictures on Facebook, but the trade-off is you're sacrificing a ton of privacy about who you are and what you do and who you associate with and how you think about things. And then that's used really against you in a lot of ways to kind of manipulate you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then my presentation was about algorithmic decision-making when we were at Rotary mm -hmm. and I mentioned that presentation and you know then you have these algorithms these computer programs in the background that are sort of judging and weighing and making determinations about you based on the data they've collected that's how that they gets, decide what to show you yeah and then that gets into a whole different level of kind of creepiness mm -hmm. it does well you were talking about one of them being um the way that they're using algorithms in job interviews right and using video this is fascinating to me yeah if you could kind of explain that a little bit. Well, it's really exploded, particularly during the COVID era, when you have kind of a pretext, really a reason, but kind of a pretext, too, for doing all these online interviews. So you have algorithmic decision-making at all phases of the employment process. So if you think about, like, the ads that you see online, those are carefully curated for you by algorithms. They're showing you stuff they think you would like or be receptive to based on what they know about you. And there are creepy implications even at that phase where it's, you know, if you're a older black woman or a younger white man, you're going to see different job ads. Mm -hmm. You do the job search on Google, it's going to show you different things based on what it thinks of your race, your color, your um, sexual orientation to the extent it can figure that out, your age. Um, all those different factors are going to kind of play in. Creepy implications there where it's pretty discriminatory at that phase even. But then once you submit a resume, you have algorithmic programs that are looking those over and they're looking for keywords, they're looking for phrasing, they're looking for kind of the language that's used in the industry or in that company. And they're making determinations about whether you'd be a good candidate based on that. See, that's it. You're filling out resume or filling out, or, well, it is your resume or filling out an application online. Right. So it's digital right off the bat. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's handwritten and somebody's reading it. <clears throat> it's, it's all being read by AI. Artificial intelligence is reading all of this stuff, doing someone else's job what was somebody's job at one point, but they wanted to take out the, the, um, 
the factor, the human factor of how we may be a little bit biased. And if we see a certain name, we may make assumptions of, of what ethnicity that person is or what race that person is. And my gosh, we didn't, we wouldn't want to have that. But now we have it tenfold. Right. And, and part of it is just the massive amount of resumes and cover letters and applications some companies get. AI can do that a lot more efficiently. And that's fair. But a lot of it, like you said, the thought process is, well, a computer can't be biased. And the reality is computers can be really biased. Isn't that scary? Yeah. Well, it's it's like in just our socio-political uh, landscape now where it's like we're trying, there's certain, there are aspects of our society that are trying to make us more um, diverse and inclusive or whatever. And in turn, it's kind of almost making it everybody more segmented. And mm-hmm. like these people are here and you're here and you support this and you're there. So it almost is having the reverse effect, just like the algorithm thing. Yeah. And it's tough because if you have a program you design to say, hey, algorithm, figure out the types of people that have been successful here before, find us more of them, it might go find you, like in a tech industry, more young white men. Mm-hmm. And as part of that training process, then it's going to realize that if you're not fitting that demographic because you're not white, you're not young, you're not mm-hmm. hitting all of those marks, we don't like you. Mm-hmm. And companies that have experimented with that sort of thing found pretty quickly that if you had like the word women or a woman or a female name in your resume, it's going into the trash can. See, that's and that's just by accident because the way the industry started just happened to be a couple of white guys in their garage. It just happened to be. So that's the, the bar. But it perpetuates these. Even though it may not be the bar, that is the bar, mm-hmm. right? right? But to the extent you have mm-hmm. racism, sexism, ableism, mm-hmm. any ism you can think about, it can perpetuate that. And that's a real danger there. And the video component also is the other thing that I found really interesting. Um, I get into conspiracy theories every once in a while, I have to admit. And one of the websites I showed to you and you had seen it before is This Person Does Not Exist. And it's a website where it's all artificial intelligence and you refresh the page and it's another face that it's a person that does not exist. But based on algorithms, these are believed to be people that are somewhat attractive to the people that are viewed. And everybody sees different people on their phone. So creepy. Right? So it's already probably digging in my phone for what they think would be acceptable to me as a person. Now, when you're doing video interviews, the video is judging you. The camera is judging you. Is it not? It is judging you. It is judging your facial expressions, what they call micro expressions. So those are generally involuntary muscle movements, you know, like around your eyes. Are you... Reacting appropriately to questions, do you seem happy enough? Would you be a good culture fit? And there are all sorts of biases. Um, you know, primarily racial and gender built into that. A lot of cultures smile more or less. Um, g- some gendered expectations around that. You know, a lot of women will say, all of these people keep telling me to smile more, to be happier. That's um, something that's gone on forever. So there are racial and gendered expectations. And then it gets really creepy when you start thinking about people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So if you have somebody who is on the autism spectrum, they are like neurodivergent, or you have somebody who is disabled, maybe they have like Bell's palsy, their facial muscles work differently, their reactions to things are going to be different, the way they react to questions is going to be different, and that's not good or bad, but the algorithm can't figure out context. Mm -hmm. So it's going to figure out what's normal, and then anything that falls outside of that is abnormal and bad and wrong, and we don't like that. So is that taken, for example, like these apps that we all love that change your face and put the the masks on the filters? Is that how the camera is getting this data through TikTok, through Instagram, or is it literally by taking a picture on your phone and the data is harvested just from a picture that's on my phone that will never see the light of day? These are cameras that are pointed at you during an interview. 
and then they're judging you kind of in real time and then providing feedback oh, to, gotcha. to the interviewers. Are these, okay. these, these are programs that they've intentionally put in place, wow. that, that they're using them. So like if you're sweaty, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you have a twitch. What does sweaty mean you're lying or does sweating mean that you run a little hot and maybe you have a medical <laughs> drank, issue? Drank a lot of beer the night before. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. 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 But the machine, the machine can't figure that out. Again, it, it struggles with context. So it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. It's yeah. kind, of, kind of a binary choice. Yeah. So it's, it, it, when I'm thinking about this and for anybody that's uh, trying to figure out how to protect their children, it's not just your children, it's your grandparents, it's you. Um, it's your husband, it's your wife, you know, I mean, everybody has these apps, everybody's, you know, using these things indiscriminately and just cause they're fun and they're easy and they're free. And it's like all the things that they want, whatever they want you to do, they make it fun, easy and free. Mm-hmm. So people will do it. Right. Cause that's how they're going to gather what they need yeah. in order to get you to do what they want. I mean, it's, it is very, it's very interesting and put the job interview thing aside. What other than the job interview situation, would it be a negative in somebody's life? Like mine who likes being marketed to to things. Like I don't, I don't think about that kind of stuff. Is it, I haven't never, I've never had a, like a breach of my data that I know of. Knock on whatever this is. Um, so I haven't experienced the, the torture that families go through that have identity stolen or whatever. But besides the job interview thing, what are some neg- other negatives that could come on someone like me for not heart- being more protective of my stuff? Right. Backing up just a little bit, I feel like we've all to some degree had our identity stolen. Mm-hmm whether through like an actual data breach, which happens to some people, or just the way the data industry works. It, it feels like, you know, Pandora left the box and most of the data about us is known and there's some really creepy social implications to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. But I was just going to say, that, you know, more directly to your question though, the, the more about you that is known, particularly information you kind of wanted to keep private, the more difficult it is for you to um, kind of put that back in the box to establish any sense of privacy, it's just sort of out there. And then it, what's really creepy about it is we don't necessarily understand all of the different ways that we're being manipulated. The companies that do it certainly aren't going to tell us about it. So, you know, if you've ever read about like Cambridge Analytica and what they were mm-hmm. doing during the election, those are some of the more creepy implications. But it gets even beyond that where um, there are AI-based programs that you can use to manipulate faces and manipulate bodies and you could make it look like through machine learning Mm -hmm. president obama or president trump or you know pick a politician is giving a speech saying really racist really sexist really nasty discriminatory horrible things and release it the day before the election yeah it's not really them it's that's where the deep fakes come in. Yep. And a lot of people, if you're not online a lot um, and or if you're not on Twitter in particular, because I think that's kind of where the memes live uh, a lot, a lot of them. But Facebook also sees its fair share. Um, people will see some of these and, and it's of late. You're starting to see some of these so-called um, traditional media or mainstream, whatever you want to call them coming out with stories like Reuters or come out and say, uh, well, that video that showed blah, blah, blah was, was not real. That's, and it's like, well, obviously it wasn't real. I mean, right. that, that was obviously not real. It was funny. It wasn't real. But they have, they're coming out with these now because they realize a lot of people believe them when they see them because they don't question them because there is, you see what you want to see, you hear what you want to hear for, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And trying to, to draw that line, and it seems absurd to me because 90% of the stuff that's on Twitter is, is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> and you really have to pick through what you're going to believe. But um, th- there's a need to, to, 
to really define what is a deep fake and what is not. And some of them are really good. It's, I'm telling you, I'm seeing the conspiracy theories already about Anne Heche and the accident that she was in. And the conspiracy theories that are coming out because people saw her alive before she was put into, and it wasn't an ambulance, it was a fire truck that she was put into. And so now there's all these conspiracy theories about why she was alive, why the video looked like it did, why she didn't look like she was burned, why, you know, there's all these things Mm -hmm. coming out. It's scary because, okay, you should be able to question things, but some people are putting those out there as facts. Right. Right. And there's the the notion that she was working on a film right now that's going to come out in September, and it is a film about child trafficking. And this is, and there's been a couple other stars in Hollywood who died while they were at the forefront of bringing out uh, either video or or in song. There were a couple of uh, lead singers that mysteriously died while they were in the midst of exposing who was supposedly behind what's going on in Hollywood. And that's that's kind of like the train of thought where things are with her right now. So you're seeing videos that have been doctored. Right. And just know that, just know that before you jump on and go, oh my God, that looks real. I can't say that it's not, but you can't say that it is. When we do, it's tough. Generally, just kind of general public, we do a very poor job of discerning between fact and fiction. And it becomes really tough because we can't really necessarily agree on what facts are anymore. You know, they call it the post-fact society. But at the point we can't even agree on what the facts are, then it becomes really difficult to agree on much of anything. Mm-hmm. And when you're and the online sources, I'm just scrolling through Google News right now. All they care about is the click and the traffic for that 10-minute window that, that the story's up. And then the next day, it's, oh, that was fake. Well, never mind. Well, we already got our traffic the day before. So it doesn't matter if the story's fake or it was the video's fake or whatever. They're, it's about instant gratification for them. They get 24 hours of that being a real story. That's all they want. Right. And that's, that's, that's the scary part of it. That's where you, or you yeah. <laughs> specifically question everything, I you do. know, and, and that's not bad. I don't do that. I sh- probably should. Uh, I don't do research on stories. I just kind of take it as they are and just like whatever, but I need to not do that as much. I'm going to say that one of the things that caused me to be that way was when I saw, and, and it happened a few years back. I remember us having the conversation. It was a story about something that happened in Omaha and it was a story on the national scene and they got so many facts wrong. And it's like, it's not that hard to get this correct. And then it makes you think, well, then what about the stories that I'm reading that are about things that I don't know about? Mm-hmm. How much of those are wrong? Yeah. And right. I'm just, and, I'm just and was, blindly believing that. And it was facts that with an easy Google search, they could have found that um, wherever the people were found in the middle of a field wasn't in East Omaha. Like yeah. it, what, it's just, it's stupid little stuff like that that makes you question. Well, and I was at the gym one time. I always use this example, but... Sean Hannity was on one television and Rachel Maddow was on the television next to him. And they had the sound on both up so you could hear them. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> on both. But, but, it, but it, good Lord is right. right. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but it was interesting because it was like they're living in different worlds. Yeah. And what's, what's crazy to me is kind of like your examples highlight, we don't really know what the facts are. We trust the news people to present stuff to us in a reasonably accurate way. Mm-hmm. And to the extent we don't, you know, one of the other issues is that schools don't do a great job of teaching critical thinking skills. We don't teach kids the way we should to think for themselves and to be you know, a little bit suspicious and dig into this a little bit and make sure, okay, if that doesn't sound quite right, maybe it's not quite right. Let's mm-hmm. do the Google search and figure out what's really going on here. Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Right. Look we at, need to do a lot better job of that. Right, see it through and, and, and look it up. But you're right, because there used to be, uh, you know, everybody believed we had gatekeepers that were taking care of the newsrooms, and they determined what was quality and what got on the air and what did not, and it, it passed the smell test, and there were fact checkers, and things were tested before they went on the air. 
Now you've got fact checkers checking on stories that have been released. Right. And that shouldn't be the way it's done. Because they want to get it out there faster than the The horses are already out of the barn. Yep. <laughs> and now you got somebody closing the doors. They don't, they'd rather have, have put something out there that's incorrect than be last. Right. Be first. Yeah. And they want to be first and half accurate than all the way wow. correct and last. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the fact checkers sometimes don't agree. This is, well, and yes. That weird. That's weird too, because you do have some of the organizations that people have leaned on heavily in the past. And uh, somebody decided to do a deep dive on them. Snopes is one of them that some people have done deep dives on them and then they found out their background and found out their history and who actually were their fact checkers. And you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I was hanging my hat on that. And you got to be kidding. <laughs> and that's a da- it's daunting. Like yeah. it's daunting because you don't know where to go. You don't know where to go to do research. If you are going to research something, you'll find different things in every place. So where do you find the center point? I really like Real Clear Politics mm-hmm. because they really try to balance it out. So, you know, you'll have a column from somebody who says Trump is the devil. He must be impeached immediately, you know, when he's president. Next column will be Trump is a hero. Let's build a statue of him in Washington. <laughs> well, if you read them both and then you have some critical thinking behind it, you can kind of come to your own conclusions about where the truth is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's as close as we can get now. So I really encourage, like, my students at Creighton to get their news from a variety of sources and then decide for themselves yeah. what, what their opinions mm-hmm. are and why. It's true. I think for a lot of us, too, we grew up with one or one or three sources for news, right? Whatever mm-hmm. it was. And that that's still, for a lot of people, they still hang their, and again, use the same phrase, hang their hat on that one person that they believe has always been truthful with them. And so they, they follow that one news source. There are so many more sources out there now. And, and uh, of course, we always tout podcasts um, because for a lot of people, substacks and podcasts are the way that their voices are being heard. Um, because they're not on network television, they're not on cable news networks, and that's okay. They, but they still are really good journalists, and they're out there, and you can find them. And when I say Substack, that's basically like a way to read publications or, or news articles that people are putting out there that aren't being picked up by the mainstream, but they're really good. And then there's a couple of sources you can find on mainstream, but you really have to want to find somebody that's, that's going to tell you things maybe you don't want to hear sometimes. You've got to work at it a little bit. You really yeah. do. Yeah. You really do. So other than, like you said, you can't, once the horses are out of the barn, it's hard to get them back in. What are things that people could do like today that I could go home right now and change what I'm doing to be safer? He's got to get off TikTok. He's got oh, no, to get I'm off. Sorry, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm disappointed to learn that you're on TikTok. Oh, so. if you were on TikTok, give me 20 minutes. <laughs> You'd be like, screw my identity. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I hear my students talk about like Instagram and TikTok and I'm like, Man, I got old quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and TikTok, I don't understand what you're saying. It's, uh, it's one of those that you keep hearing the warnings because you know, the company's owned by China, right. right? And well, what's the implication to that? What, what, does that? what does that matter, people would say? What does it matter who owns this company? I would be really careful with that because, you know, there are a couple of consumer products, and I won't name them on the air, but that I was looking at buying just because it'd make my life easier. Mm-hmm. And then you start reading about how they're syncing up with these servers in China and if you look deep into the disclosures when you start using it, like it will upload, basically there are tablets that allow you to take handwritten notes and then save them to like OneDrive or Google Drive sure. or whatever. Super convenient, right? Oh, wouldn't it be awesome? It's like, an, it's like an electronic notebook. It's kind of the dream, but then you start reading about it and it wants access to all of the content in your OneNote and your Google Drive and your device. And then it's syncing up with servers in China 
pretty regularly probably mm-hmm. to dump all of that information. And then they've got AI over there. Mm-hmm. What, what are they doing with all that information? And then what happens to your privacy? Now, legally, if you go through that process and you can get, give it permissions for certain things, and, it, and that permission is there for to say, not have access to all that stuff, but it still lets you use it, but it won't have access to that stuff. Is that legally, do they have to not get into to that stuff? How do you or do you, know? Yeah, and that's what I mean. How know? do you know? How do you know, if, especially if it's a, a Chinese company where their laws are different? How do you know? Well, okay, so like, whatever, you can go and have a incognito search or whatever on Google. And you're like, yeah, it's private, whatever. But then you see on Dateline that that's how Randy got busted for killing mom because he did an incognito search, but they can backtrack it. So we know the data is there. Well, we know the data is there. We know that we click through forums all the time to give apps permission to look at our information, look at our data, collect things about us, whatever. Mostly because nobody's reading that 30-page disclosure. Exactly. <laughs> you can unclick the boxes. I don't know that it matters. And I think kind of to your point, it, it's would we even know if they're following the rules or not? And then if we did know they weren't following the rules, what would we do about it? And in, yeah. and in, Truly. You know, and if Truly. you're talking about a company in China, okay, well, you're not going to go down to Douglas County Court and sue a company <clears throat> in China. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. So... The implications of that are kind of frightening too then. I wonder if when we look at these different apps and we look at all of this data that's being collected, you know, the first rule, I guess, if I were writing laws to fix this would be complete transparency. Mm-hmm. So we know what's being collected. We know how it's being used. And we are at least given the opportunity to either agree to that or not. I think a lot of people would still agree to it if they knew exactly what it was being used for. Yeah. Uh, really, which would be fine yeah. if they knew, but they but we don't even know if they knew and they really understood. That, that might make a difference. Yeah, because that's the second part: is you can know and then understanding is kind of a different level of um, re- realizing what's happening. So mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you okay? Yeah, they're going to have a lot of my data, but what does that really mean? What are the kind of consequences of that? What are the knockoff effects? Are they building a profile of you know the kids that I keep posting pictures of on Facebook? Are they building a profile of them somewhere that they can use to kind of test to see what types of ads are attractive to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, how you could manipulate someone like them or how you could manipulate them, mm-hmm. which is in a lot of ways what Cambridge Analytica was doing. It's you know, not just about making purchases. They aren't trying no. to sell products. You know, it, that, that's the thing is that they are trying to change your mind about things. Yeah, and that's part of it is the product sells creepier to me almost to the political implications mm-hmm. in terms of trying to influence elections. Which, which you, we say there are deep fakes in video. There are also deep fakes in news stories. Right. There are also deep fakes in information. Mm-hmm. And, right. and they're trying to change or sway the belief that something is good or something is bad. And that's where you run into problems because then people, because it's really hard to convince somebody that they've been fooled. Right. You, nobody wants to admit they've been fooled. Being wrong is one thing, but being fooled. Have you seen the stories out of Lincoln lately? Mm-mm. There have been two in the last week or two where people have sent hundreds of thousands of dollars overseas because you know some woman they met online told them that they had a bunch of gold that they were going to deliver and they needed to be sent a bunch of Bitcoin and a bunch of cash oh in order God. to like clear customs and get the gold in the country. That was one. Oh, my God. There's another one that sounded like kind of a dating scam. And, you know, I was involved in some of those at the AG's office. And mm-hmm. you're in the room with these people, and you're telling them this is a scam. This person has preyed on other people. We have all this evidence. We're, yeah. sh- we're showing you all the evidence, and they don't care. They don't care. 
uh, the dating scam, I remember when Match.com got hit pretty hard a few years back uh, because they were creating profiles based on the information people had put in on their profile. They were creating these artificial intelligence. Again, this person does not exist. And using a picture of somebody who wasn't real or took it off somebody's Facebook page, who knows, and then creating a profile and actually interacting an email as somebody's, um, um, what do I want to say, their, their, their membership was about to expire. All of a sudden they have a match. And he's attractive. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's emailing back and forth. And the minute they re-up their membership, Goes he's away. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't find And they were interacting via email, but it was all artificial intelligence. Because right. the emails were a little off. Well, just a tick off. AI's not, the, the AI is not real good at the slang you know, and things like that. And you can kind of sense it. Um, and, and for a lot of people, they couldn't believe that that wasn't a real person. Well, and they're getting better all the time at figuring out what we want. So, like, you know, one of the things I talked about at the Rotary meeting was your Amazon matches in terms of um, purchases, your Tinder matches or matches on other dating sites. Those are algorithmically determined and they can figure out what you want by are you swiping right or are you swiping left? And then they collect that data and they learn and they learn and they learn and they push more stuff that they think you'll like into your face and um, Mm -hmm. they get better and better at it. The more you like what you're getting, the more likely you are to continue using it. Yeah, continue going down that road. Um, when uh, one of the implications you were talking, I don't know what just triggered my, I just saw this video this morning and it just about, it's from a few years ago and it was uh, a couple of guys, it was from, they were using a 2014 Jeep. I know that. Um, and so it was, it was in like 2017, I think is when this happened, but they had a couple of hackers. Their job is to hack things, right? Their job is to poke holes in technology and they were able to hack just a typical Jeep Grand Cherokee and they hacked it. They could turn on the fan, turn off the fan, turn on the radio, turn it up real loud. You couldn't control anything on the panel. The guy was driving, and, he, and they were videoing him in the car so you could see what they were able They were sitting on their couch somewhere else. They'd done this before, but they were in the car with him and were able to, to manipulate everything on the panel. And then they were able to turn the car off, and he couldn't start the car back up again. And he was on the interstate, right? And it was just like, and then they were able to dis- disable the brakes. Right. So when you go to yeah. park it, it just keeps on rolling. So when you hear, you know, you hear people talking about that, again, the conspiracy theory, well, why would I want an electric car? Because then they'd be able to, you know, there's a kill switch. And what if they decide I shouldn't be driving this week? It's like, they've already had that for probably 10 years. The ability to, because of the chips that are used in some, you connect the vehicles that have that you connect service. My truck has that, mm-hmm. the you connect. Um, if you have a vehicle that has you connect, that's an internet based program. So it is hackable. Right. But again, it's super convenient when you're leaving or leaving, getting into an airport and you want to start your car in the winter, you can just get on the app and do it. So you, people are like, well, forget it. I don't care what privacy I'm giving up because it's convenient for that purpose. And that's the trade-off. Mm-hmm. It makes life easier. And it sucks it because that's what we but, want. But to, with technology, we should, we should be able to... It, it, that's the point is to like a life being easier. So it sucks that somebody does bad things with this stuff because it's amazing to have things that you like. Cause you have, even back in the day, your buddy's like, Oh my God, you love this band. You're going to love this one. Check this one out, this CD. So that's what we're doing on a but, bigger scale. But all that information that was is for being, good. That's what I mean. That's what, but that's why it's him saying it's too bad that it has to be used for bad stuff. Cause it's an amazing advance in our technology. And most people don't even know it is a trade off. Right. That's the mm-hmm. problem. I understand it. Well, did you read, have you read the stories about the baby monitors? 
Yes. People hack into baby monitors. And then, you know, the parents walk in the room and there's some creepy guy talking to their kid. Yeah. That's um, super creepy. So you know, when we have this technology, it needs to be designed in ways where it's not hackable. It's super safe. And then we can rely on it. Mm-hmm. Get, get the benefit of it without really exposing ourselves. So again, the Amazon dots, you know, that's, that's another one. It's like, there's a trade-off. It's, mm-hmm. There's a trade-off for, you know, hey, say the name. Uh, what's the weather going to be like today? As opposed to, oh my God, they're listening to everything that I say or listen to on my television. Is my Samsung TV listening to me? I would never put anything like that in my house. Right. I don't have any Facebook stuff. I don't have any that Amazon stuff. Nothing that's listening. I mean, my cell phone probably is. Do you think your TVs, like smart TVs, like if you have a Roku TV, if you have a Samsung TV, I mean, that's still a smart TV because you still have, have Have you ever seen a picture of like um, Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg Mm -hmm. and they've got an iPad Mm -hmm. or a device? And they have a little piece of tape over the camera, and they've got maybe the microphone. I used to too, always and, have a. Pen. Well, <laughs> COVID they, they know a lot to, more than we right? do, and if they're concerned about it, maybe we should be too. Yeah, that's a good point. I because of the whole COVID thing and having to do everything via the internet again. Back to conspiracy theories. Okay, well, if the never let a crisis go to waste, oh, this is a great time to get everybody online and get them used to using their cameras. Mm-hmm. This is a great time to get used to having meetings remotely or virtually because a lot of people wouldn't do it before. Well, and we did a really poor job because we were in kind of triage mode at that point. Yeah. How do we make work happen? How do we make school happen? We're sending everybody home. We did a really poor job of screening the apps that were installed on those devices for privacy and for safety. Right, so, and everybody was downloading every whatever app they needed in order to stay connected right. with their school, with their family, yeah. with work, but right? Yeah. Parents showing up at school board meetings and saying, hey, my kid's using this app, and I'm not sure this is safe. Who vetted this? And yeah. The answer is no one did. Nobody. And then, you know, years later now, we've still got kids using the same apps because now they're comfortable with them on the same devices, and we don't know what data they're collecting. We don't know where that's going or what's being done with it. Yeah, and the implications of that are really scary. So what? So getting wow. getting rid of Alexa, getting rid of your whatever, not not using Siri. What are other things that we could do today to I, be safer? I personally wouldn't have any of that stuff in my home. To get mm. an idea of the, like, go through your phone and like check all the permissions you're giving to your apps yes. and and delete the ones like they're on ones that I've deleted a year ago, logged in once, and I don't ever. So delete probably all those because they could still be mining Siri, stuff even good, if I'm not even using the app. I would, de- I would delete all the apps you're not using. Check the permissions on the apps you are. A good starting point really is to, this is kind of ironic, go on Google and Mm -hmm. Google what does Google know about me and read about just the gigabytes of data they have on you. It's scary just to Google your name. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. but then dig into Mm. their data collection policies, uncheck boxes, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, You can do the same thing with like some of the Microsoft products. So there are different ways you can at least mitigate the damage but right. again, that's based on trust that those companies are doing what they say they're doing. So you're doing you're doing all you can, right? Right. Whether or not they follow through, you can't control that. And and it's more than an you're doing as much as you can as an individual, but it's more than an individual problem. We need the federal government to step up in a serious way and say, here's the data you can collect, and here's the data you can't. Mm-hmm. And if you're collecting and using data, here are the disclosures you have to give consumers to let them know what the heck is going on, and. To the extent you're doing stuff you shouldn't be, here are the penalties you're going to pay for that. Right, right. And, 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 and to this degree, they just haven't done that yet. They have, and they can't be five pages no. of font four. No. Right. It just can't be. It's got to be something that's much more um, digestible, well, <laughs> something that people will take a bite of and, and actually understand. Absolutely right. And the trick is, and I think I might have talked about this the mm-hmm. too, you know, if you 
and I'm probably getting the grade level wrong, but if you Google like what the average reading level of Americans is, it's like if they're sixth it's grade. It's terrible. I mean, it's really low. So, I mean, you've really got to realize that this is the reality, and then you've got to write stuff that people can really read and understand. You've got lawyers writing for other lawyers, and that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not understandable or decipherable for most people. It's just buying your own, just buying a cell phone. Right. People just tick the boxes and sign their name because they want the phone. Well, yes. And it's practically like you're taking out a mortgage. Yeah. You know, yeah. With, with the boxes and the pages and the disclaimers and the understandings, and you just want the phone. And That's, you're, you're clicking through and signing whatever you need to sign. And you yep. do. And, and all that stuff protects them. Right. None of it protects you. Yep. Very. That's the thing. But, but you were kind of like in this catch-22 now because you have to have a phone. That's right. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, seriously, if somebody doesn't have a phone, you can't like going to a, a, an event here in Omaha, uh, college world series, you had to have the app cause you couldn't print the tickets. Yeah. You had to have an app. And so telling my mom, you know, how to get the ticket on her phone, not, and, and she's pretty good at this stuff, you know, I mean, but it's like, you literally couldn't get in there if you didn't have a cell phone or have a smartphone. Right. That's that's scary. That's scary. So you don't even have a choice at that point. Yeah. They're funneling you into needing these devices, and then they're using the devices to collect information. And no one would say, no, I'm not going to go to the championship game because I need to have a ticket on my phone. I don't right. think anybody would be like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to do it. I'll delete it later. Then they don't delete it, and then they're, 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 they're Well, yeah, that app's still on my mom's phone, mm-hmm. and she just needed it for that one ticket. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, that they have so much data now that it almost doesn't matter if you don't participate. So, like, I used the example yeah. of my father-in-law, who's, a, you know, a farmer, and he's never been on social media. He has no social media accounts, but they know almost as much about him as if he did because his wife's on social media, and so are his friends. Yeah. And they know where he goes, and they know who he's with, and then they can use that to make assumptions about him that are generally going to be true. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah, scary. So and if it, you don't do it yourself, somebody will do it for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the... Are there examples now on like TikTok and Instagram where they have realized that somebody is gay before they do <laughs> because they can leverage so much data or they yeah. real, there are apps now that use facial recognition technology that to like a 60 or 70% degree of accuracy can see somebody kind of in the wild walking down the street and say that's a Republican or that's a Democrat. Person of interest, that TV show. Um, I remember watching that and I, and, and it was just fascinating to me because there's cameras everywhere right. and a lot of countries that's, that's real life. And even in this country, to a degree, there are some cities that are like that. But every camera is not just looking at you. They're doing facial recognition, and they can tell exactly who that person is and what their their story is. I mean, right. seriously, what their record is, mm-hmm. their voting records, any records. And, yeah. And if they have access to your social media, and a lot of them do, yeah. can they look at what you're purchasing, what you're searching for, if they know your sexual orientation, maybe your gender identity, what political party you belong to? whether you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant, can they use that information like in the job interview, you know, circling back to employment law? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and then they're not hiring you because you're trying to get pregnant. And if you hire somebody who's trying to get pregnant, they're going to get pregnant. They're going to miss time. Medical expenses are going to be higher. Interesting. Perception might be they're not as committed to work for a while. Yeah. That would be illegal if humans were doing it. But if Mm -hmm. algorithms are doing it, we don't really know what they're doing. They're certainly not going to tell us. Does anyone catch it? That Probably was not. something that you even brought up too about the algorithms. Nobody really knows how they're doing what they're doing. No. So even the people that created them, because they're constantly, they're constantly in, learning, learning, if you want in quotes, but they are learning. And they learn fast. And so they've evolved to a point where 
you ask the people who created them, okay, so how do we make this stop or how do we do it? They're like, I don't know. Unplug the machine. That's yeah, it. That's it, right? <laughs> Unplug Reboot. it. Well, the, best, stop. the best example might be how they play chess. You know, oh, so, yeah. So it used to be, you know, you'd tell the, the machine, basically, the computer, okay, here's Gary Kasparov's best games and here's Bobby Fischer's best games and learn from those. And then they played human players and they got better and better. And then finally they're beating the best human players. We're to the point now where you give it the basic rules of chess and then kind of as a blank slate, it doesn't know anything about any of these people or the games they played. It just beating the socks off the best human players because it can figure out ways to play chess and strategies and think so many moves ahead. It plays in ways humans haven't even really contemplated. That's that 4D yeah. chess, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Super wow. Creepy. I can sit and talk for hours. I swear. Right. We may we may have to do a follow up, honestly. Um, yeah. Because uh, this stuff, this is the kind of stuff that it, it fascinates me. It terrifies me. It fascinates right. me. And and I'm like Pat, I mean, it's like everybody just wants things to be easy right. and good. Why do why would they have to use it for evil, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the trick. You know, a lot of the stuff I talk about ends up kind of focusing on the scary parts of it. But tech is really cool. Yeah. It does make life easier. There are a lot of applications that are awesome. Even algorithms and employment, they make it possible to scan, you know, 2,000 resumes and applications in a day when a human couldn't do that. Exactly. Some people may never even be considered for a job right. if there wasn't technology to be able to look at all the possibilities that are out there. Uh, your, your resume may never even see the light of day. Yes. But it does because of technology. Now it's just a matter of figuring out how to... How do you put the guardrails around it? There you go. Yeah. That's it. Tom, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Appreciate how, it, how can people find you um, online, anywhere, if they wanted to? I don't know if they want to reach out. I know you're on LinkedIn, definitely. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You're not um, on Facebook? Don't say, hey, Alexa, find Tom. <laughs> I, I am on Facebook. I don't. Po- it's mostly kid pictures. Um, I, I'm not on there very much at all. Um, yeah, I'm a professor at Creighton. Best way to reach me is probably through my website. It's just thomasfreeman.com. Very good. Or through my, my contact information on Creighton's website, too. So. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. My pleasure. Uh, oh my and goodness. you know what? What, uh, what would be super cool is if you guys sent us at 402 403 the last four of your soch. <laughs> I don't know, your mom's maiden name. Don't do it. What don't street do did it. you grow up on? <laughs> your pet, pet when you were eight. <laughs> your name? first pet's name, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Pat and JT Podcast, a Huda Media Production.